This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Today we're going to talk about my personal portfolio and investing. About a month ago ended a nine property, five month buying spree that started back in October 2015 with the sale of my subject Seattle portfolio. I did not know what to call these shenanigans and simply calling it a 1031 did not do it justice. Therefore, I came up with this name of 1031 Orama, which is inspired by the good old days back in 2008 where one could apply for a bunch of credit cards with 0% interest. All of you are real estate investors and sticking money into those high interest rewards checking account is kitty stuff. So if you're ready to go gangbusters, here we go. From 2010 to 2015, my rentals in Seattle were cash flowing each about 400 to 600 a month. This after vacancy, capitex repairs, etc. But it was because I bought these properties at the right time. So when I tried to buy again in 2015 or as early as 2012, prices would not cash flow with typical 20% down financing. My rentals were A-plus class and were below the 0.5% rent-to-value ratio. So amateur, give me a break, I was new. I think everybody would agree that, like in San Francisco, Seattle has seen great appreciation over the past few years due to the influx of foreign money and tech companies. As a real estate investor, you need to always be looking at the numbers, and in this case, the return on deployable equity, or ROE which is your sales price minus commissions minus current mortgage balance. By sitting on so much lazy money in the form of equity, I was making less than 5% in terms of ROE. Side note, the internal return on investment, IRR metric, is used when you buy. The ROE is used to evaluate the performance once you are in operation. So getting back to it, if the ROE is less than 8% a year, you're better off in the stock market. Even though I'm not a fan of stocks or mutual funds, Let's face it, rentals have some risks such as unexpected capital expenditures, legal liability, and the low level of overall PETA, or pain in the butt. Since 5% is less than 8%, I needed to reposition my money. Now, if this were a Las Vegas movie, funny how appreciation is like gambling. I would be grabbing my chips from the craps table, cashing out at the money cage, and retreating back up to my room with my winnings and my beer and pizza. In the end, I traded two properties via two 1031s that cash flowed a total of $1,000 a month for 10 properties that cash flowed over $3,000 a month. Now, after repositioning my portfolio, I sort of beckon the next recession to come because I have more than enough buffer in each individual rental to lower my rents by a couple hundred dollars and still pay the mortgage. A mentor of mine told me that the risk is not in the interest rate or the amount of debt but the lack of buffer in the spread between your rents and expenses and mortgage. Throughout the lending process, I know that there must be clones of me with all the DNA samples that the lenders and underwriters have taken from me. But it's a huge pita or pain in the butt, to go through all these Fannie Mae loan processes and ex- execute on multiple loans. You think Fannie Mae loan 1 through 4 is tough, 5 to 10 is another level. At any one time, I had parallel processes for purchase and sale agreements pending. Inspections, renegotiation, inspection punch lists, property management interviews and setup, contractor logistics, etc. What a mess. A lot of lenders would recommend that you cross-collateralize your investments so you can get more Fannie Mae loans. Currently, the max is now 10. But I don't think this is a good idea at all. Well, I should catch myself. It's never a good idea, just only in certain situations. 
Remember that the loan guy gets paid whenever you originate a loan. So of course they're going to recommend you getting this cross-collateralized loan where you take all your properties and loans and stick them all into one loan. Also, the Fannie Mae loans aren't really that much better than a portfolio loan is. I can expand on the portfolio loans later in a different podcast. On a couple of properties, number six of nine and number nine of nine, I actually really didn't want them. There are certain things that I found in the due diligence process, but I had to close because they were on my 45-day identify property list. I could walk away from the deal, but I would have to pay taxes on the unused 1031 funds. The business decision was that it was better to overpay by $6,000 and get the property than to have no property and pay the taxes on the $300,000 at 25%. If you are considering this madness, try not to let your sellers know what you are doing because I got bamboozled by sellers since they knew I had nothing else on my 45-day list of potential properties and had to close. During a 1031, there are several rules you have to follow. You have 180 days to execute all your transactions and a lot of people key in on this one deadline. I'll argue that this deadline is not the issue. It's this 45-day list that you have to follow. And this list is the period that after your subject property closes is the biggest hurdle that you should really ponder over. A good best practice is to line up your purchase and sell agreement for your new acquisitions when you are one to two weeks before your scheduled close date. So when the property comes up, boom, you have five properties ready to go and purchase and sell agreements executed and you're off and running on your 45-day closes. So anyway, I'll talk about 1031s later, but... Now, I'm so relieved that I'm out of the roller coaster of the high appreciation Seattle market and in more boring appreciation markets. I know that there are a few years from now, someone will read this note and Seattle properties will probably have gone up two times in value. However, I'm totally content with my passive cash flow portfolio, aka just chilling with my, yes, that beer and pizza back in the hotel room watching the movie The Big Short. So that's what I've been up to these last few months. I'm currently working on a book. That will really take you by the hand and help you buy that first rental property because that's really the harder step here. I'm looking for guinea pigs out there who are looking to run some of my processes that I'm writing about. So please contact me if you're interested in learning more. And that's it for the podcast today, guys. Laters. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.